Life Audio. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Hey friends, it's Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. Let me ask you a question. Are you feeling disconnected from your spouse or from your partner? Are you trying to connect with them and you just seem like you just can't bridge that disconnection gap? Well, I want to be able to help you to be able to reconnect with your spouse because I believe that a strong connection is the foundation of a healthy and a solid marriage. So here's the deal. I want to give you a free resource. It is my free quiz on how connected are you. You can access this quiz at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. That's danashay.com, D-A-N-A-C-H-E.com forward slash partner quiz. Get your results and then let's get you on the road to real connection with your spouse. Well, friends, today I am so excited to present to you this conversation with my friend, Kia Stevens. Kia wrote an incredible book called Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love. I had the privilege of being on Kia's launch team for her book, and it's doing incredible, by the way. And I think the book is performing so well because this is a topic that affects so many of us. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard me share a little bit about my story, how I grew up. I didn't grow up with a dad. I had a stepfather who was in and out, and that absolutely caused problems in my relationships later on in life. And so Kia and I are having this conversation about how she overcame the pain of her emotionally and physically unavailable father. And she's going to help you to learn how to forgive. We're going to talk a lot about forgiveness in this episode today. So get your tissue box if you need it, but also open your heart because I believe that forgiveness is for you. It's not just for the other person, but it's also for you. So I am so just honored to be able to present to you this conversation with my friend, Kia Stevens. Kia, Kia, Kia. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, hey. to be here talking about relationships. Yes, and talking about fatherlessness and overcoming father wounds. I saw your book launch. Um, that looked incredible. I'm just so happy for you and for everything that God is doing in you as as you've launched this book. So tell us a little bit about, first of all, this is not like a idea that just came up last year. You've been writing on your blog. You've been on YouTube. Like you've been talking about fatherlessness for years. So tell us a little bit about your story. Why is this a passion point for you? Sure. Well, I lived it, number one. I think, uh, number two, God chose me. I, I honestly believe God chose me. You know, writing a book about father wounds is not something you dream about when you're a little girl. It's not something you say, oh, I, one day I'm going to write a book about father wounds. That's not the topic that is looks attractive. For, for many. And so God put it in my heart when I was in high school that I was going to write this book. And I thought the book was called The Void. That's what I, I, I had termed it. And it was because, Dana, I had detected um, some neediness on the inside of me. I didn't have the language to describe it. 
Uh, but I found myself always coupled up, needing to be in a relationship, sometimes dating people that were so uh, opposite from how I projected myself in, in life. You know, I've, I've always been kind of a go-getter, the leader, running for every office, trying to run the whole school and do all the things. But then I had a secret life in terms of the relationships that I found myself involved in. And, and in my knower, it, I knew that there was something wrong. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know how to term it. So I went to college and was working on the book off and on for about four years, you know, graduate. And my husband approached me not too long after that. And um, through marriage, you know, you're going to see a lot of things that are, that are wrong, but that we hit a bump. But I remember getting some counseling and it was there that the counselor, uh, she said, have you written a, a, a letter to your father? And I really started to wrap my mind around this term, father wound, uh, fatherless, daddy wounds, daddyless, uh, fatherless daughter. Some of these terms, I started to get a language to describe some things that I had already started identifying in my life. The language didn't come till later, but in my heart, I knew that this was an area for me. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned several different topics, you know, daddy wounds, fatherlessness, father wounds. What was your wound? Sure. The the wound was primarily um, rooted in an affirmation, I, I would definitely say. Affirmation wound, love wound, um, acceptance wound. I felt rejected because my father wasn't there and I remember sitting in the dorm room with a friend. This is when I first acknowledged that I, I want a relationship with my dad. And she had mentioned this bookshelf that was in the corner of her room. And she said, oh, just casually, I, I made that bookshelf with my dad, which is not a, a big deal. It's not a, a statement that should elicit anything on the inside of anyone. But it it really, for me, was like a trigger, a ripping of a Band-Aid. And I had this flood of emotion coming coming out of my eyeballs and I was, my face was flushed. And I remember just going to my room, really grieving and, and really admitting to myself, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with the absence mm-hmm. of my father. I want what she has. I want this relationship uh, with my dad. I want to be doted on. I want, I want the daddy daughter date nights. I want to sit on the couch and look at football, all of it. I want the whole nine. And so, you know, with that, with his absence came so much um, longing for what what I missed and what I saw or believed other women had. Mm -hmm. I can so relate to that, Kia. My dad left when I was probably one, maybe two. I had no memories of my dad other than the tassels on his shoes. And I remember when I was older, I asked my mom, did he ever wear these little, like, you know, the old school dress shoes and they had like the little tassels. And that was the only memory that I had. And she was like, oh my gosh, yeah, he used to wear those shoes. That was it. And so I never thought about as I was growing up, like there's a wound there, but it definitely shows up. Just like you're saying, it shows up in relationships. It showed up in my friendships where I would look at my friend's dads. And I really think that's by the grace of God that God did put me around some girls who had incredible dads. And so, you know, Bill Cosby, that was my dad. I would watch him every week. You know, I would watch him every week and pretend that that was my dad. When people would ask what happened to my dad, he was a businessman in New York. 
not a drug addict, alcoholic in New York, which was a real true story, because I had to make up this story so that I didn't feel as rejected as I felt. And so I think that, you know, as people are listening, like we all have these wounds that come from childhood that if they're not addressed, they'll manifest in our marriages and our relationships and our own parenting. So how did you actually get to the point here where you were like, okay, I've got this wound here. It's time for me to get this thing healed. Sure. Uh, it wasn't that linear. Like the way you describe it is so neat and cute and pretty. It wasn't like that. It was just me grappling for wholeness and grappling for function in, in, in the midst of dysfunction. And so I was the type of person that was always reading the self-help book. I was always trying to heal thyself. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned the, the counselor. Well, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Uh, I do want to, I wanted to say, Dana, for those who have never heard the term father wound, father wound is synonymous with father absenteeism. And we can know father absenteeism in a myriad of ways by ways of, by way of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, alcoholism, and affair, or, or a physically present father, but an emotionally absent one. Uh, I want to say that because um, the, the spectrum for woundedness is broad. And so there, there are some people who are saying I was sexually abused, or I was physically abused. And then there's some people who are saying my dad never came to my volleyball game. My dad never said I loved you. My dad told me I was fat in that dress or my my dad never uh, validated me in, in art. And, and this was the one thing I wanted him to do. You know, uh, when I when I started to tell people, I started this journey with a, a blog. And when I started to tell women that I'm creating a blog for women with father wounds, the the responses that I got really reflect how broad this um, issue is. Some women said, I just met my father yesterday. Another woman said, I don't know who my father is. Another said, my dad introduced me as his boy. Another said, my father was an alcoholic. And then another one said, um, I heard my father call my mother a heifer. So, mm. you know, when it comes to woundedness, it, it can be so broad. Um, but in my own story, in terms of how do you get from identifying the wound to getting made whole, uh, I had a hodgepodge of things that I was gravitating to just to get help. I mentioned a counselor who said, have you written a forgiveness letter to your father? Initially, I was like, you know, why do I need to write a letter to this person who wasn't even in my life? You know, what is there to forgive? But I had access to a, a forgiveness a letter template, which is also inside of my book. And so I took that template and I wrote out with every prompt uh, information for my dad. And there's one specific section that says, um, what is it that you wanted to experience or that you didn't experience or what what is the direct uh, result of what this person has done done to you? And so I was writing as a result of you not being in my life. Um, I got involved in XYZ relationships. I was bullied. I didn't know who I was. I suffered for years. You know, I struggled with self-esteem and insecurity and this and that and all this stuff, which may or may not have been direct byproducts of my father's absence. But that's how I associated it at that time when I wrote that letter. All of these um things that were grievous to me just started to pour out. And uh, it was in that moment I realized I got, I got some issues. I got some issues and she mm -hmm. was right. I didn't need to write this letter and 
Uh, then the next thing that I did was I read the letter out loud to an empty chair. That's another counseling technique I'm sure you're familiar with, but you put the empty chair in front of you and then you sit in a chair across from it and you imagine that the person you have um, a grievance with is sitting in that chair and you say everything that you want to say to them directly, but it would not be wise to say. Uh, and you, you read that letter out to them. And that single act brought a whole lot of healing for me, uh, a lot of release uh, of the weight um, a, a release of the bitterness and the anger. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I did. But I, I do want to say for those who might be listening, um, you know, forgiveness, it, it sounds like the, a, a cuss word for, you know, it sounds like a cuss word. Like, I don't want to forgive anybody. Why are you suggesting that I do that? And if you knew what this person did to me, and if you knew what they said to me, and if you were there, you would not be saying, forgive. Um, you would not be encouraging. You would be on my side because this is horrific by for anybody, but certainly by your father. And so um, I want to say I understand. And I had to recognize what forgiveness is and it's not. Forgiveness is not dismissing. It's not denying. It's not condoning. It's not reconciling. It is not justifying. It is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for us. Okay, friends, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll hear more from Kia Stevens. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Uh, God never designed us to walk around carrying the weight of another person's offenses against us in our heart and in our mind for a lifetime, just weighing us down. God said in John 10, 10, that I, I, I want you to have abundant life and, and abundant to full, abundantly full life. And we can't have that if we're weighted down. And so anyways, forgiveness is simply the relinquishing of our right to hold another person responsible for the wrong that they've done to us. It's a decision. Mm-hmm. It's a decision. And then once we decide it's practical, it's also supernatural. There is an aspect of forgiveness that we need the power of God to um, fully embrace. And so I I feel like I've gone on a spider web, but it's it's just so hard to capture my healing story, my journey in 250 pages or a 30 minute podcast or even an hour podcast for that matter. But um, I did whatever I could. I did whatever Mm -hmm. I could to find healing. I liken myself to the woman with the issue of blood. She had been to several different doctors before she touched the hem of of Jesus's garment. She did everything she could to be made well. That was me. I was like, I I know there's something 
on the other side of this. I know God offers healing. I believe he can do something with my heart that I don't believe. You know, it's just like spider web, but yeah. still reaching for God in the midst of two steps forward and five steps back, you know? Yeah, reaching for God and then reaching for help. Like you said, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who have just kind of become okay with the fact that I've got this fatherlessness issue. This is kind of how things are and I'll be okay. And not realizing that that stuff is like being bottled up inside of them. And then it will affect your marriage. If you get married, it will affect how you parent. Like I look at how I parented and one of my favorite Psalms, you know, Psalm 103. And there's just a little verse in there that says that, that God is like a father. He knows that we are but dust. We are, we are just dust. And I don't know why every time I come across that, that scripture, you know, it talks about God being compassionate. Well, I didn't experience that in the natural. So it was very difficult for me to really, I knew God loved me. I've been a Christian from the time I was a little kid, but it was very difficult for me to really understand who God the father was because I didn't have that natural father. And so the fact that you're saying like, you have to do what it takes, you know, to forgive. And one thing that I'm so grateful that we're talking about forgiveness, because forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation either. You know, a lot of people think, well, I don't want to forgive because I don't want to be reconciled to that person. Well, maybe there are times that you can't be like, what if your father died? Well, you can't be reconciled to him, but you still have to forgive even if he died. Because Kia, like you were saying, forgiveness is not about the other person. It's not about just saying, okay, it doesn't matter. It wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal and it does matter, but it's for us. And so you may have to forgive and then make the decision that that is not a safe person that I can be reconciled to. I'm so glad you said that because I think I I don't want to offer anyone false hope. I do not want anyone to walk away saying, oh, just add water and stir. And then I'm going to have the father daughter relationship that I've always dreamt of. It wasn't that case for me. You know, my by God's grace, I do have a relationship with my biological father, but it's not perfect. You know, there are some things that I won't experience on this side of eternity with my biological father. I was very clear in chapter nine of my book that there are things I still cry about. I still grieve, Um, but it is not as one without hope. And um, so for women who are engaging in a relationship with their father, there's not a one size fits all. You know, you have to evaluate. Mm -hmm. Is it safe for me to engage with my dad? Is it safe for my children to engage with my father? Um, Spending time with my dad might look like a phone call on Christmas and Easter. It might look like I'm going to intentionally pray for my dad every single Wednesday. It might look like I'm going to send you a card on Father's Day. It might look like we're going to meet in a public place uh, every quarter, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's not a one size fits all. It really is dependent upon you and what God has done in your heart and where you are and what's going on with him. And that's something that every woman needs to decide for herself, potentially with a licensed professional counselor or a pastor or someone who can provide some objective guidance, uh, because it's, it gets kind of sticky. It gets kind of kind of messy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they say you will marry your father. Right. I know you've probably heard, I that. heard that. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because I look at my husband. Now, I told you, I did not grow up a day of my life with my dad. I don't have any memories of my biological father. If my husband does not look like my father spit him out of his own mouth, 
Like people think my husband and I are siblings. We're not, thank God. You know, but he talks like my dad. He walks like my dad. My my biological dad was in the Air Force. My husband was in the Air Force Reserves. Like there are so many uncanny similarities there. And so th- their temperaments are the same. I mean, they're very, very similar. And my family makes a joke out of it. It's like, how the heck did that happen? Like, how is that possible? Do you see any similarities in your husband that are present in your dad? <laughs> I don't think so. No, it didn't happen okay. like that for me. Uh, okay. No, mm-mm. they're very different. Okay. But um, All right. what, what I was going to say, I, I wanted to, that's funny, just reiterate what you were saying about um, the struggle with connecting with God. Uh, I discovered a quote in the Washington Times years ago that says it's common for people to perceive that God is like their father or the fatherly figures that they had in their lives. And I was like, oh, my goodness, look at this spiritual truth nestled in the midst of a secular news outlet. And uh, later after that, I, I in my church, I went through some counseling and they really unpacked it and looked at what type of father did you have? Was he distant? Was he attentive? Was he dominant? Was he a dictator? Was he passive? Uh, was he abusive? And so the the potential is that we use our biological father as the lens by which we view God. There's a potential for mm-hmm. us to skew who God is because of the type of father that we had. And we can um, erroneously believe that that God is just like our dad. And so it took many years for me to um, embrace who God is. You know, I'm st- I'll probably spend a lifetime embracing who God is, but, you know, just really divorcing myself from what I experienced with my dad and my relationship with the Lord and, and recognizing that these are not the same. These are, these are two mm-hmm. different um, God is a, a spirit, you know, and my father is, is natural. My father is flawed. God is perfect. Uh, so I had to, I had to make the separation. What specifically were you attributing to God from your father? That he wasn't interested in me. I, mm. I, I really, and I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I was there from Monday, Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, Sunday. Whatever I was there, honey. I was there. I was on the usher board, the in the choir. I was doing everything, youth meeting, all of that, drill team. I did all of it, and I knew of God. I knew all of the stories. I knew all of the phrases. the The phrase "God is a father to the fatherless." I heard that a thousand times, and probably even believed it. I might have told somebody else, but when it came to this eight. I felt in my soul that same ache that was driving me to write this book. I don't have the terminology and I don't have that. I wasn't really sure that God could do anything about that. Kind of like how you were saying some people have resided themselves to just always walking around with the ache. And and this is just how Mm -hmm. life is. And God's not going to address this for me. He's going to get this person a house and he's going to make sure those people get their bills paid and he's going to heal that person of cancer and he's going to do this. But when it comes to these details in my heart, he's not going to do anything about that. I've been like this for so long and and I carried that. I carried that um, 
that thought about God with me for years and years and wrestled with it, wrestled, wrestled with it. I was still going to church. I was still paying my tithes and my offering. I was still serving in ministry, but I just had this doubt of like, God, you don't, mm -hmm. I don't think you love me like that to really address mm -hmm. this issue that's been bothering me for my whole life. Yeah, this is so important that we're talking about this, Kia, because it affects your prayer life. Like not everyone who listens to the show obviously are believers, but for those who are, I know for me, because my dad left, not only did he just leave our family, he left the whole state and built a whole nother life apart from us. And so it took me years to really go back and be like, okay, the rejection that I felt for many years of my life obviously stemmed back there. But also I had this, this belief that God preferred the other person. Like if it was me and somebody else, the other person was going to get blessed. It, the other person was going to get the opportunity. It was going to be the other person, the other person. And I never really thought about that until a few years ago. Like, where did that belief come from? And I really believe that it stemmed from my father chose plan B. You know, and so it affects how you pray. If I really believe that God doesn't is not interested in me, like you said, right? Or my own belief that God prefers somebody else. Well, that's going to affect how how bold of a prayer I pray. It's going to affect what I'm believing God for. It's going to affect if I even ask in the first place, because none of us are going to pray for something that we don't really believe God is going to do. Girl, yeah. I'm over here. So I'm I, like, <laughs> well, honestly, you know. We, we get a little bit of healing as we go, you know, so I got a little bit of healing, like right before this book came out, as I'm listening to you, I was like, that's just like, you know, but uh, I was, I would say things when things would happen in my life, I would say this phrase, I can't, I haven't said it on any of my interviews. So aren't you blessed, Dana? But I would say, um, mm -hmm. that's just what girls like me get when things would happen to me. I was mm -hmm. like, girls like you, that's what you get. You don't get you don't get the blessings. You don't get doted on. You don't get this. I would I would say that so many times. It's a shame. And I remember might have been October or September ish or something like that. I think of this year. I can't remember. It, it had to been this year. Last year. Last year. I got invited to this conference, to this retreat and all expenses paid. And I was like, oh, OK. All right. I want to go. And. When I was there, there were so many instances where I saw, number one, when I got there, I realized that this particular retreat was by lottery. The way that people got there, they had to put their name in a lottery and either they got picked or they didn't. And some women had tried for um, years to go to this particular retreat and not been able to go. And here I am. I just got invited. I just hopped on a plane. Every, all the details were taken care of for me. And detail by detail, I began to realize God was doting on me. You know, mm. God was loving me. I was in, I was in a scenic space. We were in uh, Colorado mountains. It was stunning. I love nature. I had prayed with some friends of mine to see a moose. All of this is on my Instagram. Anybody follows me, you can go find it on my Instagram. God showed us like a family of moose. <laughs> I was like, what? It was so many things. God spoke to my heart so tenderly and I wept. I wept because I had been feeling like I was the girl that gets the, the less than, 
you know, the girl that's mm. not going to receive the, the, the great things that God has, the girl that got that praise, but she's not going to be doted on. You're just not going to experience that in this lifetime. I have been living life like that, still leading, still, still serving, still ministering to women and, and telling women what God will do for you and all this, but living with this kind of, oh, it's not going to happen for me type of mantra and mentality. And mm-hmm. God did a shift in my heart just a couple of months, just like a few months ago, you know? Uh, and so I'm just saying that to say what we experience, the traumatic hurts, the wounds, your father leaving, what he said and did not say, what he did and did not do, has a way of knowingly and unknowingly getting lodged in our heart and in our mind. And we live out of that. It's a false belief. It's a false belief that I am not loved. I am not worthy. I am not Mm -hmm. wanted. There's something about me that makes me cause other people to reject me. You know, all that we're we're living out of those things and, and doing it without realizing it. You know, but That's for the right. grace of God that he gives us our own road to Damascus experience and and we're able to see clearly and be like, you know, wait a minute. No, I am love. I am love by God. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need a man and I don't need my daddy to tell me that mm-hmm. I'm loved. I know I'm loved. God says I'm loved. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have value. I have worth. I am important. I am unique. I am special. I am chosen. I am an intentional design by God. You know, so those things are have in in latter years have become revelation for me where it's like, oh, no, I don't care what you say. I don't care who you are, but I know this is true for me because God, my heavenly father says that. Now, I'm 40 something years old, Dana. You know, Mm -hmm. it's taken me 20 plus years to be able to get to this place. But I do want to offer encouragement for anybody that's listening to say it, it is available. If you find yourself saying some of those things to yourself and and living out of a, a place of low self-esteem or a place of insecurity or a place of God doesn't love me like that. He loves everybody else, but mm-hmm. not like not me. Uh, I just yeah. want to encourage you to say he loves you. And you can't get to the other side of that where you know that you know that you know. No, my life has value and has worth, regardless of what my father did or did not do, or he said or did not say. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I came across this analogy years ago. I don't even remember who who originally told me. But it was like it was in person. They had a twenty dollar bill and they crumpled up the twenty dollar bill. And they were like, if I crumple up this twenty dollar bill, how much is this twenty dollar bill worth? It's still worth twenty dollars. What if I mark on it? You know, and I put black magic marker on it. It was still worth twenty dollars. What if I rip a hole in the side of the twenty dollars? Well, it's still worth twenty dollars. And so many of us in our lives, we have looked at how people have treated us, whether it stemmed from our fathers or lack thereof, it stemmed from bad relationships or even in our own marriages, and we have de- valued ourselves. But the fact that God says, you're still that $20, like you still hold your value because of who I made you. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so glad, Kia, that you wrote this book is because, and again, I understand that everyone who's listening might not be Christians, but there is a difference. Oprah did a series years ago called Daddyless Daughters, right? But it's like, 
but but what's the hope? It's like, okay, so you talk you talk about your daddy listeners, you talk about your father listeners, you cry, and then what? And I feel like the fact that you're saying it's not just that we're recognizing these wounds, but that we get to come to the ultimate father himself through God who identifies as father. Like that's huge to me. He could have identified as anything else to us. But the fact that he's like, I'm going to come and I'm going to heal what happened with your natural father. And that's the difference. That's the difference between you and other Christian authors who talk about what through Christ, like what we get to experience, that, that wholeness and that healing versus just the world that says, let's cry about it. Let's talk about it. Let's bring awareness to it. Well, all right. We brought awareness. Now what? Yeah. Yeah, I so, saw that. I, yeah. I watched that. So I watched the whole series. I transcribed it myself by watching it backwards and forwards. And, and some of the things that came out of it, going back to what you said, one, one of the suggestions was um, find a surrogate father, like uh, to stand in the place of your biological father. And I think sometimes God will bring that person into our lives. But I also think that that's a dangerous place to be. Anytime we give another human being the power to meet our needs and and human beings are flawed and they're finite. And, and so if we're dependent upon them to meet our needs and they don't, then what happens to us in the fallout? Mm-hmm. You know, do we tank? Or are we unable to function anymore? Are we having problems? And and I, and so I differed with the with the advice that was shared on that show. Um, you know, they also mentioned I think meditation and and probably your partner or or whatever. But for me, Dana, the only source that has been strong enough to compel me to forgive has been the acts. Of of Jesus, you know that. Yeah, that's the only thing that is strong enough. Any other argument, it, it doesn't fully hold water for me, you know. And and maybe mm-hmm. there are some people that are listening that you you don't espouse to the Christian faith, but even if you just study the life of Jesus, we do know that he what he did he was on the face of the earth. Whether you espouse mm-hmm. to Christian faith or not, if you just look at historically at what it means to be flogged, what it means to be crucified, uh, what he experienced in terms of rejection, that in and of itself is a very strong argument for forgiveness. Uh, for me, mm. that was the only thing that compelled. And then also, um, just looking for a source to turn to, to feel that gaping wound, that father-shaped vacuum, alcohol is not going to do it. A man is not going to, most definitely is not going to do it. <laughs> uh, weed is not right. going to do it. Cigarette smoke is not going to, I mean, sex is not going to do it. You look at all these other filler, fillers, work, work, becoming a workaholic. These things are going to keep us, um, unsatisfied and longing for more to, to continue to feel this gaping wound. The only source that I have found that is substantive enough has been my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I'm going to just throw that out there to the audience, you know, and let them gnaw on it and, and decide if that's a risk worth, worth taking. And I would also mm-hmm. 
challenge whoever's listening and say, how's that working out for you? That substitute that you picked up to deal with your father wounds, how is that working out? I had someone comment on a Facebook thread and and they said, well, I don't need some overpriced self-help book to deal with my father wounds. I just cut him out of my life. And I said, I understand. Oh, and they went back and said, and also, by the way, he was a preacher too. (laughs) I was like, take that. They're like, take that. (laughs) You know, and I just responded and I said, I I totally understand. I totally understand. Even if you don't, especially if you don't consider yourself a, a, a Christian. I will just say in my life, when I tried to cut my dad out of my life, when I tried to be angry, I mean, tried not to be angry and just live my life without him being present in it. I was still angry. I was, yeah. I was still not at peace. I was still bitter, you know? So mm-hmm. if you become curious on if, if there's anything on the inside of you that's saying, I wonder if this Jesus really could help me with my father wounds, or I wonder if it's possible to really be free, not to mask and fake like I'm free, but to really know freedom. I would encourage anyone to try God, to to try to get on your knees, to invite the Holy Spirit into your healing journey, to say, God, if it's possible for me to know healing after what my daddy did to me, prove it. Prove it. Would you meet me in my confusion, in my despair, in my bitterness, in my brokenness, in my sorrow, in my shame, in my anger? If it's possible, would you meet me? I I invite every single um, skeptic, every single person that's on the sidelines looking in, every every single critic of all the Christians and, and say they're a bunch of hypocrites. I invite them to try God in that way. That's so great. Kia, thank you so much. This has been such a rich conversation. I appreciate having you on. And of course, we're going to link to the book and to your podcast and and all the things in the show notes of this podcast. Where's the best place for people to find you if they want to learn more? You can find me at www.kiastevens.com. It has links to all of my socials. I hang out on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And then also my podcast, Hope for Women with Father Wounds. You can find that there. And then one additional initiative, and that's the Hope for Her campaign, where I've partnered with Wellspring Living, which is a um, uh, an organization, a nonprofit that provides programs and residential living for victims of sex trafficking. To date, we've donated 47 books. I'd really like to get that number up um, because, you know, a lot of women who have been impacted by sex trafficking are impacted by uh, men that pose as father figures or love interest. And so I wanted to provide a book so you can find out about the Hope for Her campaign or go to HopeForHerCampaign.com and um, find out about that initiative. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kia. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are welcome. I feel like you just got free access to uh, a conversation that I would have with a girlfriend over coffee. And I hope that this episode has illuminated some things for you. Maybe it has encouraged you to to challenge some things that you've had going on in your heart, maybe hidden in your heart, maybe some belief systems that you've held on to, or some inner vows, maybe even that you made 
between you and your father, um, or maybe somebody else who has hurt you or has been emotionally absent out of your life. So again, Kia, thank you so much for what you brought to this conversation today. I want to encourage you all, you can find out more about Kia and get her amazing book at kiastevens.com. Of course, of course, you can always at kiastevens.com. And of course, you can always just search the book in Amazon, Overcoming Father Wounds. I also want to encourage you all to look at the show notes of this podcast. You know, I put these show notes together for you, for some of you who just want to kind of skim through the notes and remind yourself of what the episode was about. You can find the show notes to this podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 142. And I want to tell you all this. You know, we are living in a generation that is by large fatherless. We have fathers who are obviously physically unavailable, but we've got a lot of fathers who are emotionally unavailable. And this episode, of course, is not meant to shame or condemn any of you guys who maybe you don't feel like you're measuring up in the fatherhood department. But this episode hopefully is a catalyst for you to be that father, maybe that you never had, or to be that father that you really do want to be for your kids. I believe that a healthy marriage is really the foundation of a healthy family, which is a foundation of healthy kids. We can do this, you guys. Fathers, husbands, you guys can do this. So again, get Kia's book, Overcoming Father Wounds, today, anywhere books are sold, and of course, on Amazon. Let's get those Amazon numbers up for my friend Kia. So again, I want you guys to make sure that you go on over to my website at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz, because I want to help you, those of you who are disconnected, maybe you have found that your disconnection with your father has also led to disconnection in your relationship, and you want to figure out how to mend that. You can do that at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. Well, thank you all so very much for being with us today as we end every episode and saying a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode.